Sutra 33 The Sixth Bhumi By practicing samyama on the three stages of evolution comes knowledge of the past and future. That night I could barely sleep as I laid outside the brass door. My body tossed and turned all night long, and so it felt as if my mind had gone to war. Feelings of intensity and anxiety peaked as I was caught in a death-defying panic. Totally absorbed in a cruel feeling, I became one with Kali's rage and madness. The mind wouldn't settle, as if somewhere there was a feeling of darkness trying to take control. I wanted to remain calm in the spacious moment, but all night it felt as if something had overtaken my soul. When I finally awoke, I was adamant to break through the brass door, but there was nothing I could find. But maybe a sword, said a voice at the end of the hallway. I swear I heard a living voice, and so I wondered if I should fear this. Who's there? I am fearless, said the voice. Then why have you come? Only a courageous soul would dare come back here. Don't you remember? We are the ones who face and confront the worst of all fear, the voice replied. Then what is the reason you have to hide? I don't hide, and I care little for safety or for pride. I have made a home out of the darkness. That is why I shine, said the voice. At once a creature began to emit and glow. He would have only stood up to my knee. But was this someone I had come to know? A moment later the creature vanished. Now the light was withdrawn. Was I losing my mind? Oh, where had that brave creature gone? It was dark in this inner cavern, and there were many cells with closed doors. This was a place where prisoners would have been kept, and so they called this the fourth floor. Something about this place should have been frightening, but I was not terrified or afraid. It felt so familiar, as if this cell block was a place I had once stayed. But why couldn't I remember? Where had my memory gone? I noticed there was a key stuck in one of the cell doors, and so I turned it when my memory flashed before I heard my own voice exclaim, Be free, swans! Another flash of light and there I caught a strange memory of insight. Animals had been housed in many of these cells, and by some miracle, they were freed in the middle of some night. I can't explain how I knew this, but it was a feeling deep within my intuition, and the more I searched for this inner voice, the more my inner nature could tune in and listen. Wherever my mind was focused, I swear I could start to see things from the past. But when I tried to hone in on what I saw, I'd get surprised and the old memory wouldn't last. Now I could hear distant voices as I explored the dim passages, taking note of each cell door around me. Animals and humans had been kept here in extreme solitary. Long ago, people were trapped behind doors and so there was little light or joy within me. Bars confined some of the cells and I could tell that many humans had once been locked with a certain key. Every time I peeked through a window or the bars, the rooms were empty, and there I saw a steel chair with straps 
facing a black screen. At once I heard distant animals crying. I pictured them shaking while others were not moving. When I got to a crossroads where two halls met, I sat on my heels and began to reassess my situation. There was so much hatred within these walls, and my senses felt stuffed as I pictured those poor souls who were once trapped inside. How could we treat anyone this badly? Surely torture like this was even worse than if they were to die. Do you need help, mister? said a tiny voice in the darkness. We don't have to run anymore. There she was, the most improbable and surprisingly fluffy kitten. Her paws were white, as if she stepped in paint, and a gray ashy coat stretched over her little body, a distinctive orange marking, like a little flame, stretched up between her eyes. Goodness, it's the most beautiful kitten I've ever seen. Do I know you? Don't be scared, mister said the kitten smiling. I gazed into her eyes when she winked at me. There I remembered that flame. It was etched between her eyes, and then a moment later, I watched her form change. She was a grown woman, a dear friend of mine. Oh, what in the world is happening? God works in mysterious ways, and that's why we call them signs, said girl. A moment later, her form changed again, she shifted back into the tiny feline. Kitten, I spoke out to the room. We need to focus. Oh, wow. That kitten I found was right in front of me, and I could hear its thoughts too. All terrible things aside, I was aware of both the good and the bad, and therefore, I had no reason to mind either. This whole facility seemed mad to begin with, and so what did it matter if I was crazy too? And now my body was covered in something black and unnatural, a membrane of manufactured skin with a human vessel on the other side. Now which body is this? Why so black and slimy? The more I tried to rub the membrane away, the more this dreamlike vision seemed to surprise me. As I observed the kitten, I noticed she also scanned the room. Yes, smart cat, checking for strangers, I presume. We need to get you out of here, kitten. Any ideas? Said the kitten. No danger over there. I've already checked. But why keep teasing that fabric with your paws? She was pawing at a duffel bag that was labeled Quality Drugs. The kitten had no interest in the drugs, but instead she stepped inside the bag of Quality Drugs one paw at a time. Nesting like a bird, I began to wonder if this cat was not a kitten, but a small crane that had been placed in the wrong body. I've decided it's not right to leave you, I told the kitten. Get comfortable in there, because you and I were meant to find each other. We might be misfits, but we've been nothing but good luck together. The kitten licked her coat. Do you believe in things like that? You know, coincidences? That maybe you and I were meant to find each other? The kitten took a peek up, blinked her eyes once, and then continued grooming because it's all starting to connect, like this bag filled with drugs and the orange stripe that looks like a burning flame. Suddenly I'm stable, alert, and aware. It's because you're remembering, said the kitten. Remember what? The time you died, she said. Died? Goodness, had I really died? Or was it all just an illusion, like this mad puzzle that this reality had become? And had I said it out loud, 
Or was I thinking all this? The poor kitten was snuggled up with the drugs, licking the spot above her belly, when I noticed a leash on the wall. What are the chances? Just our luck. Well, they'd misspelled it, but finding the noose was a critical discovery, a sure sign that the kitten and I were meant to be together, and so I placed it around her neck. This noose fits snug, just tight enough to keep the kitten from wandering too far, because otherwise, see, this is just precautionary. Nothing to worry about, kitten. Leashes are good because... Well, I wasn't sure why animals needed leashes, but I didn't want her to wander off and get hurt. As long as she was close to me, then she'd be safe. Is it too tight, darling? Nope, but it feels strange. I've never had a human of my own, said the kitten. Go ahead and rest, darling. Uncle's got you now. She was snuggled up with all the pill bottles and it seemed quite cozy in the bag of quality drugs. I closed the zipper halfway so her little head could poke out and watch. A clock was ticking somewhere and I heard every second. And isn't time so strange? Like who decided how long the second is? And how do they keep track of it so well? Why not just use the sun and the moon? Seems a lot easier to look up and say, hey, it's today, rather than manufacturing all these silly clocks. And how long until we run out of tickers? Those plastic pieces are coming from somewhere. Down the hall we took steps, one foot after the other. And as I walked through these halls, I could see into a past life. And there I began to remember. A slight wind slipped up through the corridor when I felt an immense connection back to my mother. I pulled at my face as if I had worn a mask. But then I realized my face was not covered. Oh, what a joy it is to be alive. The answer was always right here, all along, and so simple. Now look, the whole world is breathing the truth at every moment. Oh, why don't we pay attention better? It's here and now. Oh, wow. Empty halls began inhaling, then exhaling. And while these giant deep breaths poured into my living lungs, I could feel each pulse pass through the walls, shooting energy into my beating heart. While my eyes explored the room in front of me, I could feel what had happened in each cell. Hyper-aware, my mind could read through these walls, for I'd lived many lives, and somehow, every breath had brought me to where I am, right now. And I'd come back on the other side to help. And this pyramid wasn't evil. It was alive all along and willing to assist. What was once a cell had become a safe haven to us, and today, I was one of them, who came back to heal these wounds. More and more cells were here. I'd forgotten how many lined these corridor walls. Once these cells were home to raccoons, rabbits, pigs, and creatures of all sorts. Now the visions of animals were set free, and the creatures ran off to live however they were called. Could you itch right here, right under my chin? It's my favorite place to have scratched. The kitten's fur and hair floated between my fingers, like newborn flowers kissing the wind, and every strand of her hair was alive too, as if these hairs were speaking out loud. Down the hall, I thought I saw a creature's head turn toward us. Had someone been watching all along? Now two orange eyes blinked, but then the creature was gone. You seem sad. Don't be sad, mister, said the kitten. Shh! Did you see that? You know, this one time I was really sad in my cage. The kitten paused. And well, my brother was alive too, and that's when he looked at me and said, This too shall pass. 
Is that right? Oh, children, spoke a voice from the darkness at the end of the hall. Black wind vibrated and swirled with a hypnotic pulse. Everything around us was aware of the forest waiting at the dark end of the hall. Instinct latched onto an imaginary arrowhead on my hip, where my own fear brought the knife into open air. We were among the presence of a great warrior, and both the kitten and I were aware of his power. Get back! I looked in my hands, but there was no arrowhead. Goodness, I wondered. Was the kitten right? Was I already dead? Looking for your blade? Oh, I'm afraid that arrowhead is long gone, but there is the sword of truth, and in our hands that blade does belong, said the voice from the darkness. What are you talking about? I'm afraid I need to go. I'm losing my mind, and there are goddesses trapped behind a brass door. All the while, no one else even knows. Oh, I've heard your words, and I too choose to go on with you, said the mysterious creature. We peered down the hallway, but there was nothing, just empty space. And then the two orange eyes opened again and began shimmering. Which one are you? meowed the kitten beside me. Those two golden orange eyes stayed low to the ground, only to the height of my knees. I am one of you. I am one of the survivors who still believes, said its orange eyes. Now an opossum stepped forth, and his aura began to glow. There is only one escape, and it is closer than you think. He pointed to his chest. There is an escape within. Cicero, they said you were gone. They said you died, but you're alive, said the kitten crying with joy. And so my legend lives on. I've been hiding in the darkness since the day I got out. The day I escaped within was the day I earned my freedom. Cicero stepped forth, took a sniff at my shoes, and then locked onto my eye. I knew a human with one eye. He was the only one I could trust. Oh, I remember you. Amokli the Just, said Cicero. Do I know you? We met the night of my escape, but you've changed. Why, look at you. You've become something else entirely, said Cicero. Who are you thinking of? I've never seen you before in my life. Why, yes, you're right. Not this life, but I've met you in a past life. Isn't that right? Then tell me, who am I? I can't tell you who you are. You must discover it, said Cicero. Huh? Okay, I will tell you. You are a spiritual warrior, ready to illuminate the dark night of our soul said Cicero. Now I was curious. He said it like I was summoned for some wild adventure, but I hadn't a clue how we'd gotten here. Wait, I remember you, Cicero. We were there together that night. We escaped. We're in this together. Isn't that right? Of course, meowed the kitten. The opossum closed his eyes and inhaled a very deep breath. His firm muscles expanded along his toned core. This guy was jacked. Warriors like us speak the truth, and so I've come to proclaim that the end is here. Nothing to fear, not when you're aware that our inner nature is the righteous seer, said Cicero. I think he was floating in front of me. Somehow the air sucked him up into a steady levitating state when I watched the kitten glide up towards the ceiling too. They were spinning around each other while an electric orange line flowed between their tails. Hmm, seems a bit unusual. Suddenly, years of animalistic doctrine were passed in between their brains, 
A glowing wave of truth entered through the center of their foreheads and spread throughout the hall. I could feel it glowing between their minds. And here I was, a mere human, witnessing the transformation of cat formation. Oh, how dearly I wished I were a cat too. Do you want the truth, human? asked Cicero. The opossum floated above me when a bright light entered the center of my mind. Death has nothing to do with going away. The sun sets, the moon sets, but they are not gone. Rather, we rise every day, said Cicero. This too shall pass, meowed the kitten. Now in order to illuminate the dark night of our soul, you must break open the brass door. Why else would all of us arrive right here, in the exact same spot, years later, upon the fourth floor, said Cicero. Well, do we have a plan? It's all up here. I know this place like the back of my paw. We must retrieve the spiritual sword. Then whoever discovers it will uphold the divine law, said Cicero. I'm in and I adored his passion because I could feel it emitting from his whiskers. Cicero was onto something. He was one of those real progressive thinkers. Why not? I shrugged at the little kitten. It'll be beautiful. Well, if you're in, then I'm in too, said the kitten. So where do we start? This way. I've been lurking here for years. Follow me, and I'll lead us, because I know all the turns. Thank goodness for a reunion. Macaulay Jack has returned. Mysterious this creature was, an odd fellow to trust, but after I witnessed the memories of humans torture and abandon their own kind, Cicero and the kitten seemed far more just. I'd give him the benefit of the doubt because he led our pack, so both the kitten and I followed him down the hallway until it became dense and pitch black. No lights in this hall, just darkness all the way through. Then we reached an abandoned end point with an assortment of miscellaneous steel, tables, and tools. This space was converted into a small animalistic chapel, and it was clear that Cicero claimed this area as his home. He climbed up the rods, leaning against the wall, and jumped onto a meditation cushion that Cicero used as a throne. Seated in a meditative posture, both arms rested upon each knee. He joined his index fingers with his thumbs, while we remained quiet and listened to him breathe. This is where they conjure the heat. We'll call it our central station. Nothing will go wrong, because we're going to get through this by using the imagination, said Cicero. Heat. Why was the heat so important? I started to question my belief in our commander, but he hadn't let us down yet. Stay positive. Stay smart. There's a fundamental rule to following, and it's the same with any duty. You look them in the eyes. I was caught in Cicero's gaze when I heard his voice speak. Follow to learn, rise when you are ready, and trust in your teacher. But Cicero hadn't even opened his muzzle. Once we make it hotter, we'll illuminate the dark night. You'll take hold of this sword called Truth, then you'll ride Windhorse into the final fight. What's going on? Are you sure you're feeling all right? It keeps getting colder every night. There's something strange happening with our moon. Opossums are nocturnal. We live by the Silver Mother, and I caught hold of the future, which revealed that a big shift is coming very soon, said Cicero. How? By practicing Samyama on the three stages of transformation, Narodaha, Samadhi, and Ekagrata. 
which is suppression, contemplation, and one-pointedness, comes the knowledge of the past and the future, said Cicero. It began to click, because I was caught in a mere reflection of the past. Only now did I realize that I'd been here before, and this memory followed me like a shadow I cast. Then you're a fortune teller. We all have this potential, but few can remember. Once you completely align yourself with the spiritual seer within, you ignite the powers, or the cities of our soul, which burn bright from the source of a divine ember, said Cicero. So you know what's to come, and so do you, he said. Then let's break down the brass door. And we're waiting on the truth, he said. Well, I would if I could, but I don't have the power. Tell us the truth. The goddess herself already said that you've been granted the cities, which are her superpowers, said Cicero. But I don't understand what the cities are. I can't just zoom back or forward in time. The powers do not belong to me. The cities you speak of are not mine. The cities are acquired through the practice of yoga, but its real meaning is attainment or accomplishments. They are connected with the superphysical worlds. You are no longer bound by anyone or anything, so there's no one but yourself stopping us. Examine the past. You've already conquered your lower self. You are free to cultivate these cities, but only when you use them for the benefit of everyone else. So you'll find that these powers appear spontaneously, and so you are correct that they are not in your personal control. But once your intention is focused on the liberation of all beings, then you will break down the brass door and free the divinity within the heart of all souls. Only charlatans who pose as yogis can dupe gullible people to serve their selfish and nefarious ends. But your intention is much different. You've come all this way to free us and make amends. Those people who pose as great masters are ruled by vanity and seek pleasure in the material world. But your heart lives for the goddess, and so you are devoted to the benefit of the entire earth. The cities are not about hypnotizing or reading minds. They are real accomplishments one can discover. But only when you let go of your control can you realize this great treasure. The reason we can look to the past or the future is to guide us into the realization of the higher self. Then we can become vessels to help awaken all souls into the true nature of reality. And so we are called to serve and help everyone else. The future is not mine and it is not yours. We are but characters in a great story and I've only realized this because I've learned the stillness of meditation where I breathe and observe. The cities cannot be understood with intellect. Although they can be seen and felt, they will trap you and trick you if you try to get them selfishly. For these powers are so hot, if you touch them without the proper motive, like wax you will melt. I will do my best to explain these powers, but the point is that we are holders of this precious light. You are given this experience as a gift. Do not lose sight, said Cicero. But what are the cities? You make it sound like there is more than one. Where did they begin, and where do they come from? You must forgive my speed, but we will move rather fast. I will explain the best I can right now, but I cannot answer all the questions you may ask. Cicero paused. 
To start, first remember that Samyama is a combination of three great practices. Dharna, or fixing concentration of consciousness on one object. Dhyana, which is unbroken flow of thoughts upon that one object. And Samadhi, the non-distinction of spiritual absorption between object and subject. Now, a word or sound, its meaning, and the idea behind it are a confused state because of superimposition upon one another. By Samyama, on the word or sound produced by any being, knowledge of its meaning is obtained. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By direct perception, through Samyama, of one's mental impressions, knowledge of past birth is obtained, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama, on the distinguishing signs of others' bodies, knowledge of their mental images are obtained. But this does not include the support in the person's mind, such as the motive behind the thought, as that is not the object of the Samyama, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the form of one's body, and by checking the power of perception, by intercepting light from the eyes of the observer, the body becomes invisible. In the same way, the disappearance of sound, touch, taste, smell, and other senses are explained," said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. Karmas are of two kinds, quickly manifesting and slowly manifesting. By some yama on them, or on the portents of death, the knowledge of the time of death is obtained, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on friendliness and other such qualities, the power to transmit them is obtained, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the strength of elephants and other such animals, their strength is obtained, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the light within, the knowledge of the subtle, hidden, and remote is obtained. It may be as subtle as atoms, hidden as treasure, or remote as distant lands. It does not matter. The knowledge can be obtained," said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the sun, knowledge of the entire solar system is obtained," said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the moon comes knowledge of the star's arrangements," said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the pole star comes knowledge of the star's movements," said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the navel plexus, knowledge of the body's constitution is obtained," said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the pit of the throat, cessation of hunger and thirst is achieved," said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the Kurmanadi, which is the subtle tortoise-shaped tube located below the throat, motionlessness in meditative posture is achieved," said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the light at the crown of the head, the Sahasrara Chakra, visions of masters and adepts are obtained, 
or in the knowledge that dawns by spontaneous enlightenment through a life of purity, all the powers come by themselves, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the heart, the knowledge of the mind stuff is obtained, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. The intellect and the purusha, which is the Atman or the higher self, are totally different. The intellect exists for the sake of the higher self, while the higher self exists for its own sake. Not distinguishing this is the cause of all experiences, and by Samyama on the distinction, knowledge of the higher self is gained. From this knowledge arises superphysical hearing, touching, seeing, tasting, and smelling through spontaneous intuition, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. These superphysical senses are obstacles to samadhi, but are cities or powers in worldly pursuits, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By the loosening of the cause of the bondage of mind to body and by knowledge of the procedure of the mind stuff's function, entering another's body is accomplished, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By mastery over the Udana nerve current, the upward vital air, one accomplishes levitation over water, swamps, thorns, or other environments, and can leave the body at will, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By mastery over the Samana nerve current, the equalizing vital air, comes radiance to surround the body, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the relationship between ear and ether, supernormal hearing becomes possible, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the relationship between the body and ether, lightness of cotton fiber is attained and thus traveling through the ether becomes possible, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. The power of contacting the state of consciousness, which is outside the intellect and is therefore inconceivable, is called Mahavideha, or great bodilessness consciousness. Then the veil over the light of the self is destroyed, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. By Samyama on the gross and subtle elements, and on their essential nature, correlations and purpose, mastery over them is gained, said Cicero. He took a breath in, then a breath out. It was at this moment that he entered into a deep resting state, where I could barely tell if he was breathing out. After some time, he came back to the moment where a smile appeared on his mouth. Before he spoke, he pointed up, right there. Can you open that vent? We'll need a little air, said Cicero. Where? There, said Cicero. I did not understand, but there I saw a small door, which was a garbage chute. It said rubbish on the side, and so I pulled it open when the vent got loose. It was open just a crack, and yes, there was fresh air. I gazed out and saw the wind and clouds beyond Kailash up there. Ah, yes, fresh air is a prayer, said Cicero. But I don't understand what these cities are, or how we use them. Through Samyama, we will illuminate the dark night, 
said Cicero. The opossum opened a small drawer where he stored various types of fine incense. Sandalwood, frankincense, dragon's blood, and myrrh. This will make a fine offering, said Cicero. I assisted him to arrange an offering of incense inside the vent which carried hot air. It won't work without a flame. We'll need some fire to bring the plan to life, said Cicero. There were two flint stones beside an altar, and so I dashed them together and a spark came to light. To the Heavenly Father, Holy Mother, and Great Spirit, we offer this fine incense in your honor as we surrender our individual selves so that we may open our hearts to do your work. We have come to serve you, this world and all beings. Please accept this offering as you look over the children of life. May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free. May all beings be at peace. May all beings have something to eat. May all beings have a place to sleep. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Once I got the first flame, it held onto the incense and spread before smoke began to billow inside the metal vents. A cloud headed downstream and pumped into the halls. The kitten should stay here in Central Station, but you can always come check on us from time to time, said Cicero. I stared at the flame, which died and became smoke through the vent. By some yama on the smoke, I became like the smoke. I was weightless, and so I was carried away with the air. Here I recalled that I was not in a body, but rather my soul was invisible like a holy prayer. Cicero, I'm slipping away, and by Samyama upon this kitten and I, we will always appear. Wherever you go in your journey, we will always be right here, said Cicero as he tapped the center of my heart. I became free like the smoke, and the fine smell of the incense changed the state of my mind. This opossum was not just an animal, he was my guru and guide. Love all, serve all, and remember God, said Cicero. I bowed. As I floated up into the vents, I waited for a moment while I tried to make sense of what had happened. The entire power of the universe was within my own soul, and it was far greater than I myself could ever imagine. A moment of clarity peaked inside of me when I realized that the dark night would pass. There would come a dawn of the spiritual morning, and I knew that the evil and wickedness which was rampant upon the earth would never last. Cicero spoke of the cities and powers, but I was not thinking about superpowers, treasures, or any rewards. By some yama on my true purpose, I was focused on a vision of a great and mighty spiritual sword. When I became one with the smoke, I was also one with the air, and so I entered into a stream of purity where physical life couldn't compare. As I drifted away, I entered the vents into a new place. Another boomy, I wondered. Why, yes, this was a new aspect of space. The sixth boomy means becoming manifest. You are becoming complete. The first five boomies become real, and you are less blind and there is a more personal experience of wisdom. On the sixth boomy, you realize more and more that the idea of abandoning the confused world and achieving freedom is meaningless. 
your wisdom begins to cut through that dualistic notion and all other dualistic discriminations thoroughly and completely. Finally, you end up nowhere, and from there, you can develop a real approach to comprehending the Dharma. You can sharpen your intellect at the highest level of this wisdom. So at this stage, the paramita, or transcendental virtue, is prajna, which is transcendent knowledge or wisdom. It has been said that in the sutras, that without the eye of prajna, the first five paramitas are blind. They cannot touch the awakened mind. Prajna prepares you for all the remaining bhumis ahead. It is a very essential practice and experience. With mundane prajna, you have been educated in the ordinary sense. So you have a way of linking yourself with other people. With supreme prajna, or prajna paramita, you transcend the ego of self and the ego of the dharmas. You can relate with the phenomenal world intelligently, without ego orientation. Prajna Paramita is the mother who bore the Buddhas of the past, present, and future. With Prajna, you begin to find the origin of your basic being. At the same time, knowing that you have no beginning, no end, and no middle, you discover emptiness, or the clarity of mind known as Shunyata, which is the freedom from all conceptual frameworks. There is openness and endlessness. A million becomes zero. Because of the non-existence of the relative reference, the non-existence of both this and that, the path of awakening has a very clear perception. In the first five boomies, you tried this way and that way, and you achieved a certain state of accomplishment. But with the sixth boomie and Prajnaparamita, you finally discover the real way to view the Dharma. It is like the acquisition of a good microscope, clear, precise, and penetrating. You are able to separate false dharma from true dharma. Your meditation is in a state of prajna, which is a very interesting state. In the previous bhumis, your experience of dharma dhatu had an element of peacefulness, but at this point, your experience of dharma dhatu becomes a state of action. Meditative absorption is no longer passive, but it is very active and sharp, and you are embodying a great spiritual sword. Before the sixth Bhumi, Prajna is sort of passive. It is like an inactive grandfather sitting in the back and encouraging you to unmask. That inactive aspect of Prajna and the notion of Shunyata or emptiness are present from the first Bhumi onward. But when you are on the seventh Bhumi, Upaya, or skillful means, becomes more active. The prajna of the sixth bhumi is like the acquisition of a weapon, and the upaya of the seventh bhumi is like having the army that could use that weapon to destroy the twenty mountains of ego. From the sixth bhumi onward, prajna functions as a weapon, or ornament. At this point, there are so many things happening that your ego is completely bewildered. It has no role to play, so ego just slips back and its functions become irrelevant. In Tantra, the passive quality of Prajna could be considered masculine, and the sword or active aspect of Prajna could be regarded as feminine. The first Bhumi is analogous to a king of mountains because a mountain is unshakable. It conquers the whole environment. Once you are on top of it, 
you can see the entire continent. Likewise, at the level of the sixth Bhumi, there is both vision and solidness. Joining prajna and shunyata, or emptiness, joining learning with practice and experiences, makes sense," whispered the goddess. Now I could see that the spiritual sword was real, and my intuition knew it was within reach. I saw a great sword pointed up at the pinnacle of the mountain, and I was heading up from within to Kailash's peak. We will find a way to get it, but it was not my sword. Just like the cities or powers, these gifts were all of ours. The last thing I saw was a vision from my youth. Upon some yama of my own life, I saw the very first spiritual seed that was planted as an experience of living truth. We had just found out my younger brother would need a major and complicated back surgery, and this was the same week as the planes hit the towers on September 11th. And so I drove to the Chapel of Divine Mercy, where they had a 24 non-stop Eucharistic adoration before I got on my knees and prayed to God in heaven. How could this happen? It was not fair to my younger brother. No child deserves that much pain. No child deserves to suffer. With my eyes absorbed upon the Eucharist, I focused my consciousness upon one object. Next, I maintained the unbroken flow of thoughts upon Jesus Christ, and so came the onset of spiritual absorption that was not broken. After some time, it felt as if I could see nearsighted and farsighted at the same time, and all of a sudden, the Eucharist appeared to glow. I was in Samyama upon the Eucharistic adoration without even knowing, and this created a living link to God so long ago. Absorbed in that moment, I had touched something beyond what words could explain. I discovered that God was real, but I was torn because I had only been led to this feeling through my family's pain. In order for the heart to truly open, I began to wonder if a part of us has to break. I myself do not understand this, but the scriptures teach us that by being burdened and despairing of life itself, we find a way to strengthen our faith.